most of DeFi right now is for speculation, which is fine. And that should, of course, be allowed. But I think so much of the volume goes towards like pump and dump projects or just mm. complete exploits. Um, and so I think those are pretty harmful to the industry just because, you know, we could have the next, you know, like a 16 year old Vitalik that brings money into DeFi. Somehow he scrapes together a thousand dollars or she scrapes together a thousand dollars and they look to invest and they end up, it's a pump and dump project or a scam and that pushes them out of the system. So I think that's like one big thing we have to monitor for. And then of course, um, just, I guess, two other things. So what's one is like making sure exploits and pump and dumps are a significant part of DeFi. And it's just kind of like a fringe use case and we get true use cases coming out of DeFi. Uh, but the second thing I think is obviously regulation. That's a top of mind for everybody. So, um, yeah, I, I would say there's certainly regulatory risk. And I, I think it makes sense. Like if, if I was a country, I would be concerned about not only that, like people are transacting in currencies that aren't your native currency, but also that people can get exploited. Um, there are scams out there, et cetera. And it just um, is is the Wild West. I mean, DeFi is the Wild West and people that go on there except, expect that. But if we want to scale to a global system, that's just, I, I don't think we can keep that, um, that risk there. So I think, you know, uh, regulations are a big risk. Um, and then lastly, I would say it's just onboarding people to the technology. I mean, right now the experience, it, it's pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Um, I you know, when I started out over a year ago, and this is still the case, you get your money into Coinbase or whatever your native service is, whether it's Binance or something else. Mm. And you have to figure out what currency to buy. And if you've never been on Ethereum before or whatever blockchain you're looking at, you might not even know that you have to buy that native currency. So I didn't even know at the time that you have to hold Ethereum to transact on Ethereum. It seems intuitive to us that have used it, but that's one thing. And then you have to download a wallet and, and store your seed phrase. And I think for most people, when they get their first wallet, they don't they take a screenshot of their seed phrase, if at all, if, you know, so they're, they're probably not securing that. Um, and then they have to figure out how to use it, what gas means, how to pay for gas, how much you should pay, uh, what apps are trustworthy, what aren't. Uh, one of the confusing things in this space is just because something has like a quirky meme to it, like sushi swap, that doesn't mean it's not a legitimate project. So there's just so much to look out for and that the education isn't there yet. And it's, most people just aren't technology technologically savvy and, and that's okay, but we have to, you know, deliver products that fit their needs too. Yeah, the names, just starting with that, it seems to be a big issue, even for someone like me who also follows the space quite closely. But I completely dismissed Polkadot because I thought it was a ridiculous name. I didn't yeah. I'm like a Polish dance or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just completely dismissed it and then I mean a few years later or a few months later, even uh, it it becomes top ten on the on coin market cap. I was like, oh, God damn it! Um, but I completely agree in terms of the usability. Just a little anecdote from here in Copenhagen. One of my friends, he's a developer, so super technical guy. Started playing around with crypto and blockchain, uh, starting with Ethereum, as most people do, especially if they're technical. I think they like the idea of being able to do stuff with a chain uh, like Ethereum. And then I showed him Ave, um, and he got interested. He complained about the, the gas fee as everybody else using Ethereum, for now at least. So I showed him Matic, how he can uh, migrate and bridge uh, from Ethereum to Matic and staking and all these things that you can do with Ave. And it took him, I think, less than an hour to get excited, get some uh, get some Matic token. But then he made the mistake that I think a lot of people have done, depositing 
all his matic to uh, to to Ave, which means that he didn't have any matic left to do any other transactions, like withdrawing when he wanted to do that. <laughs> so yeah. even a, a super technical guy like uh, like my friend here, he didn't wrap his head around this concept, and he used both Ethereum and matic. So when that's the case, just to underline and, and take it home, uh, your original point. I think there's a long way to go for us in terms of usability in order to receive or obtain mass adoption. Um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, a few things on that. I mean, it's it's a common thing we get in our Discord community is like, this platform isn't letting me transact. What's going on here? I deposited my ETH into this pool and I'm looking to withdraw it. Uh, mm -hmm. Totally a legitimate project, but uh, they just ended up depositing all of their ETH in, which happens all the time. And um, yeah, it's these little things that I think can just turn people off because when you're onboarding something to a whole new concept, like one roadblock might be enough to, to stop you. So it's like you have to worry about gas. You have to make sure you're sending to the right address, that you're not going to a scam project, that you're like, talking to the right people. There's just... Um, no good understanding yet of how to go about this. But I, I think the good news is Consensus is obviously a very talented team. They're behind MetaMask. Mm. Um, I think I think folks are working on it. I mean, I have to believe that. And just from everything I know about the space and everyone I've talked to is that there's a lot of mobile wallets that are being designed, which I think should, those are the the, the, the companies and people that can really target these challenges are the, are the wallets. Agreed. I came across a wallet the other day called Taurus. And uh, they basically managed to build a wallet where you, uh, nobody holds their private key, like Taurus doesn't hold it, uh, not any centralized server. Um, what they do is they split your private key into pieces. So mm -hmm. uh, what's, what caught my attention was it was so easy to log in. Um, I didn't need to store my seed phrase or anything. I could just use email password or social login like Google. And what happens, the way I understand it, is that they split up the private key between your local machine, like your laptop, if I log in with my laptop here, uh, a node, uh, a server, so a network of nodes that they, where they have a piece of the private key. And then finally, uh, on the Google server, if you logged in with Google, for example. So basically splitting up in three, they probably split it even more, but that's the uh, the idea. And that was, mm -hmm. that was pretty interesting, I thought, because then... Uh, when you integrate with something like Taurus, I know Ave, Ave does it. That's how I came across it. Then it, it becomes much easier for people, I think, to to just get started, to just log in on board. Um, so in my in my opinion, this is the kind of uh, applications and features, wallets that we need to get mass adoption or at least the road towards that. Yeah, no, it's it's something I've thought about a good bit. And I think the conclusion I've come to is that I don't, I'm not sure self-custody is for everybody. Like mm. I, I enjoy that the bank is like my, the bank is FDIC insured and that they're in charge of managing my, like not managing my assets, but maintaining their security. And if I buy stocks or US equities, like I don't have to hold a physical certificate or even a digital certificate that there's a centralized platform that can pass it on and, and take care of it and protect it. Um, and there's some guarantees there and insurance. And I know that's somewhat of a controversial opinion in the DeFi space, but I just don't think self-custody is for everyone. I mean, I, I enjoy it for crypto purposes. Obviously, my full net worth is in, in crypto. Mm. Um, but I think for most people, if you're just a, your average person that that just wants to do a few transactions, spend here, like spend at a cafe, 
perhaps self-custody isn't for everyone. And I think that's okay. Um, I think hopefully we can have some type of middle ground solution where mm -hmm. there's a wallet or platform where you have full ownership of your funds. You have the protection to withdraw and no one can take them from you, but mm -hmm. there's some assurances there, insurance um, or just some other protections. Um, so I think right now this like black and white full custody by the platform and full self custody is probably not going to be the future model. Just it's, it's hard to imagine that every individual, however competent or incompetent they are, could be in charge of their entire life savings. I mean, it's a scary idea that if you lose your seed phrase, you, you could lose all of your money. And I don't think that's a way we can operate in the future. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why people don't stuff their dollars if they're old school into the mattress anymore, uh, despite yeah. all the bank runs and problems in the, in the centralized financial system. Yeah, we still use it on a big scale. Um, so it's probably a good reason for that. Mm -hmm.